This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. This is Worshipful Brother John Rock, Past Master, Solar Lodge Number 14, Bath, Maine, bringing to you Volume 54, Number 8, August 1976. David Bushnell, Revolutionary Patriot, Father of the Submarine. Although he was not a Mason, David Bushnell, a Connecticut Yankee of revolutionary fame, may well claim the attention of members of the fraternity because his life exemplified the fellow craft's ideal, the acquisition of useful knowledge for the great task of self-improvement and service to his fellow man. Like Brother Benjamin Franklin, he used the knowledge he acquired to invent practical devices to improve the scientific skills of his time. But he lacked the broad range of Franklin's interests and experimentation and concentrated on mechanical devices to advance the art of naval warfare. He is generally regarded as the father of the submarine. David Bushnell was born in 1740 in that part of Saybrook, Connecticut, now known as Westbrook. His father's farm was in an extremely secluded part of the township, so the young man grew up as a farmer's son with few contacts and very little social intercourse. Apparently, this suited his nature, for he seems to have avoided society and devoted his spare time to reading and study. Today he would be called a loner. When David was about 28, his father died. Since his mother had passed away some years earlier, David and his brother inherited the farm. David, however, immediately sold his portion of the inheritance and moved into the town of Saybrook, not to mingle in society, but to pursue his ambition to get an education. As was customary at that time, he secured as a tutor the best educated man in the village, the Reverend John Devotion, pastor of the local congregational church, in order to qualify for admission to Yale College. Two years later, he entered Yale, at a rather advanced age, over 30, even in those days. He was graduated in 1775 in a class of 34, whose commencement exercises were delayed and held privately to avoid provoking any disturbance related to the excitement of the war which had already begun. During his college years, David Bushnell had apparently devoted much time and thought to the mechanics of explosives and had discussed with faculty members some of his experiments with gunpowder. In a small way, he demonstrated that gunpowder could be exploded under water and that its relative incompressibility caused the force of the explosion to vent itself chiefly on any nearby body, such as a ship's hull and its air-filled interior, which is compressible. In these experiments and conclusions, Bushnell seems to have been an originator, an inventor of something entirely new. These experiments led him to develop a submarine mine, or torpedo, which became the destructive agent for a submarine, and the use of which, as floating mines in the Delaware River in January 1778, inspired one of the most famous poems of the Revolution, 
The Battle of the Kegs by Francis Hopkinson, a signer of the Declaration. In 1775, at Saybrook, and largely at his own expense, David Bushnell built a man-propelled submarine, entirely of heavy oak timbers, which looked like a gigantic top. It resembled a structure formed by joining together the upper shells of two turtles. It was so weighted that the tail end pointed downward and the head upward. For this reason, probably, it was called David Bushnell's American Turtle. This underwater craft was equipped with a vertical and horizontal screw propeller and rudder, worked by hand from the interior. It had a foot-operated valve in the keel to admit water for descending. There were two hand-operated pumps to expel water for ascending. There was also a water gauge to indicate the submarine's depth, and a compass illuminated by a piece of phosphorus to give the underwater mariner his direction. Near the top end of the turtle, over the rudder, was attached a wooden tub-like torpedo, which contained gunpowder and a time clock mechanism for igniting it at a particular time. It was connected by a line to a wooden auger, which was turned by the submarine's operator from within, so that the screw could be driven into a ship's hull. Another contrivance set the torpedo's clock in motion as the underwater craft moved away. The clock, of course, had been set previously to fire the gunpowder at a given time, the maximum being 12 hours. The turtle naturally lacked the precision-machined and computer-controlled equipment of today's long-ranging submarines, but in its time, it was a highly sophisticated tool of war. It had many of the features found in modern submarines, like disposable ballast, a snorkel for breathing while partially submerged, and propellers, another of Bushnell's inventions. Bushnell successfully demonstrated his contrivance to Connecticut's governor and Council of Safety. They approved of his plan to use the submarine to attack British shipping. They suggested he proceed, making further experiments if necessary, and hinted at a proper public reward if his military exploits proved successful. During 1776 and 1777, Bushnell made several attempts to blow up British ships, but he was never successful. Being too frail to handle the turtle himself, he had to depend on a stronger man who could manipulate and navigate the craft. Apparently, such a skillful man could not be found. In September 1776, the submarine was sent into action against the Eagle, the flagship of the British fleet anchored off Staten Island in New York Harbor. It was operated by a Sergeant Ezra Lee, who found that the wooden auger by which the torpedo was to be attached to the ship's hull could not penetrate the bottom because it was sheathed in copper. Instead of thinking to attach the torpedo to the ship's rudder, he withdrew in failure. That defect of imagination not only denied Bushnell success in his undertaking, it delayed the real beginning of submarine warfare for more than 100 years. In August 1777, Bushnell attempted to destroy the English frigate Cerberus, which lay at anchor off Black Point, Connecticut. From a whaleboat he set afloat a drifting mine, which he controlled by means of a line. Somehow, 
the torpedo came in contact with a smaller vessel at anchor behind the Cerberus and hidden from Bushnell's sight. The firing mechanism accidentally discharged and demolished the schooner, killing three men aboard and blowing the remaining one overboard, seriously injured. While it demonstrated the potentialities of mines in naval warfare, it proved nothing about the usefulness of the turtle. Later that year, Bushnell went to Bordentown, New Jersey, and constructed floating mines from butter firkins and other such containers. Equipped with musket-firing mechanisms which would detonate on contact, these mines were set afloat in the Delaware River about Christmas time in the hope that they would reach Philadelphia and destroy British ships at anchor there. Unfortunately, the bitter cold caused severe icing in the river that year. When the keg mines reached Philadelphia about January 5, 1778, the British ships were warped in close to the shore for safety, and the mines floated by harmlessly in the center of the stream. While they caused some consternation among the British, who sought to destroy the kegs by firing at them, the failure of this attack brought David Bushnell only scorn and ridicule. He gave up his attempts to destroy the enemy's vessels. General George Washington, however, still had confidence in Bushnell as a military engineer. In 1779, the commander-in-chief organized companies of sappers and miners and made Bushnell a captain-lieutenant in one of them. In 1781, he was promoted to captain. In June 1783, Bushnell was stationed at West Point in command of the Corps of Engineers. In November 1783, he was mustered out of the service. Little is known of his life from then until 1795. It is believed that he went to France for a time. In 1795, however, he appeared in Columbia County, Georgia, as a schoolteacher under the name of Dr. Bush. He lived for a time with Abraham Baldwin, who alone knew of Bushnell's real name. Baldwin was also a native of Connecticut, who in 1784 settled in Georgia as a lawyer, deeply interested in education, who became one of Georgia's ablest delegates to the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia in 1787. In Georgia, Dr. Bush, David Bushnell, taught school for a time, but some years later began the practice of medicine in Warrentown, Georgia. Having given up the application of useful knowledge to the invention of weapons of war, he spent the last years of a useful life in teaching and ministering to his fellow men. He never married, so far as is known. He died in 1824 at the age of 84. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry. And this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast, produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions, and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota, who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853.